Chapter Eight of Mark Twain and the Happy Island by Elizabeth Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by John Greenman. Chapter Eight, Mark Twain's Aquarium. On one of the three hundred and sixty-five islets that group about the Happy Isle was an aquarium, as it used to be a storehouse for powder and other food for guns and cannon. It was all the more picturesque as a house for fish. Mr. Clemens, beguiled into going there one day by the genial and obliging consul, took Mr. Rogers and the rest of us with him. It was a beautiful Sunday morning, and the sun brought out all sorts of unexpected lights on the water. The fish in the aquarium were very powerful in their coloring and form, but Mr. Clemens didn't seem to think that they were very sociable, and it wasn't pleasant to see the octopus dine off a retiring and harmless crab nor to see the keeper stuffing live eels down the lazy Moro's throat. There were four-eyed fish and squirrel-fish and parrot-fish and I don't know how many other kinds of streaked and barred and polka-dotted curiosities, but the kind that Mr. Clemens picked out as his favorite was the angel-fish. They were plump and had fins like wings and were gorgeous in their coloring and had pretty little pursed-up mouths that suggested maidenly modesty. Their wings suggested spirituality, and their coloring femininity. These traits appealed especially to Mr. Clemens, and, not long after, Mr. Clemens' aquarium was established. In this aquarium there were to be none but angelfish admitted. To be an angelfish, one must be a girl, and one must be young, and one must have won Mr. Clemens' heart. This latter was not hard to do, for he always made the overtures when he first met or saw any promising candidate. Margaret was, I think, morally speaking, the first real angelfish, but Irene was the first one to be so called. She was Margaret's direct successor in the donkey cart, and many a lovely morning she and Mr. Clemens and Maud ambled off to Spanish Point, while the faithful followed or proceeded according to Maud's gait. One morning, when we were returning after a happy jaunt, Mr. Rogers began to berate Mr. Clemens for riding longer than was his turn. Mr. Clemens defended himself by saying that it was purely out of consideration for Maud, as his light weight could not discourage her, whereas Mr. Rogers' heavy form would be a burden too great for her. The result of the discussion was that Mr. Rogers and I got into the cart, while Mr. Clemens, the angelfish, and the others walked behind. Despite our efforts, Maud could not be made to see the advantage of going rapidly, and when we came to the hill in front of the hotel, she stopped completely and went down on her knees, her final argument. I tender-heartedly suggested getting out and helping Maud up the incline, but Mr. Rogers had a happier plan, which was to make Mr. Clemens push the cart up the hill. Mr. Clemens demurred at first, but submitted with good grace, and Maud, encouraged by the sympathetic friend in the rear, pricked up her long sad ears, and we dashed up to the front entrance in fine style, with the angelfish following fast behind. Others were later made members of the King's Aquarium, 
and to each one was given a pretty enameled pin in the shape of an angelfish which she was to wear as often as possible when mr clemens could not have one of his angelfish with him then the next best thing was to talk about them one evening he told us of far-away dorothy he had said to her one time dear to hear mr clemens say dear to one of his little girl friends was a revelation of the wealth of affection in that one syllable i love you so that i think i really will have to eat you up and dorothy responded quick as a flash oh don't mr clemens you would miss me so how mr clemens chuckled over this and he told another story of this same dorothy they were at breakfast and dorothy was eating her egg mr clemens began by saying isn't this egg a wonderful thing so curiously made so marvelously constructed i wonder how it all came about and dorothy responded practically why they're just made to keep the hens busy there were two or three dorothys among the angelfish and it was hard for mr clemens to tell which he loved best one of mr clemens household wrote me later an incident of one of the other dorothys which had filled mr clemens soul with joy this dorothy was at his house in new york one day she was twelve years old and shone as an authoress sitting by the king's side she wrote a story handing him each sheet as it was finished it was something as follows a man was seated in a chair by the fireside brooding over his troubles he was sad because his wife was dead suddenly a spectre appeared before him and it was his wife she said dear i could not bear to see you so sad and discontented so i have come to comfort you you must not be sad you must be bright and happy it was best that i should leave you when i did because i was going to get a divorce then she disappeared the man sat for a while longer and then said to himself yes it is best to be contented dorothy asked for the last sheet again after she had handed it to the king saying she did not quite like the ending the king gravely returned it to her and she added with what is ordained and reread the sentence with satisfaction yes it is best to be contented with what is ordained this was the kind of society that mr clemens loved best those last days of his life there was a boyishness about mr clemens sometimes that found different modes of expression once when the long corridor of the second floor of the hotel presented a temptingly empty avenue he hopped skipped and ran and then gave a delicious suggestion of a cake-walk as soon as a door opened however he stopped and assumed a supernaturally grave aspect another time it was of a sunday evening i heard a mysteriously gentle knock at my door and opening it saw mr clemens he put his finger to his lips and said hush for the lady mother's room adjoined then beckoning me out into the hall he whispered can't you run away and have a game of cards to my reply of i'm afraid mother won't let me it's sunday evening he rejoined play hooky 
she'll never know so closing the door we escaped down the hall with a well-simulated thrill of adventure while the dear lady mother remained sweetly unconscious of the perfidy end of chapter eight mark twain's aquarium read by john greenman